Hi again, everyone. This is Tim along with Anthony and episode number 46 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. There's a lot going on in the world of sports, a lot of it more ceremonial. And the start of the football season has begun, and we'll get into a little bit of that and talk about the Hall of Fame uh, in Canton coming up next week. But the most important Hall of Fame is going on this weekend up in New York in Cooperstown as we get to watch Jim Tomey get inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, I mean, just that in general uh, is phenomenal. This is the first in the last 25 years or 30 years of a, a a true Cleveland Indian mm-hmm. going in as an elected. I mean, you can go back uh, a few years back and you can find some others mm-hmm. who played for the Indians uh, and came in. Obviously, Larry Doby was the last one being inducted as a Cleveland Indian, and that was uh, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it's been about 17, 18 years, and this is the first time, and especially this generation, where uh, you had the, uh, the re- resurrection of the Indians in the 90s and that core group and this is the first member of that core group to go in and uh what, a, what an exciting time as an indian fan can't imagine what jim tomey's going through a lot of specials going on in major league baseball network and sto right now if you get a chance to check them out do it because i think you'll really enjoy them but to me jim tomey going in the hall of fame that's what this weekend's all about yeah this is uh if you're a baseball fan like you and i we're baseball purists as we stated multiple times in the podcast throughout the year and a half now we've been doing this it's pretty special to watch one of your own uh he's the first member of that 90s era to go in and when you think of cleveland indians baseball in the 90s the top three names you think of jim Tomey, and just well deserving what he did at third base at first base and later on his career as dh just speaks for itself and he's one of the main reasons why we had nearly 10 really fun years to watch baseball so tomorrow morning i 11 o'clock, I think, is when it all gets started. You know, it's just really cool to turn on STO and turn on B Network and see Jim Tomey and the Indians up there uh, first and foremost. It's really good for the city after, a, you know, a rough football season last year at the Browns and LeBron leaving. You know, it's nice to have a spotlight, you know, so to speak, on your franchise and your city. So uh, congrats to Jim Tomey. He's by far my favorite player of all time. Um, and hopefully we can get a couple more of those 90s uh, teams players in there in the next couple years it'll be interesting to see who goes in or that group uh that played together and you know throughout the 90s and they went on to uh, a few other teams on during the time period but i mean the most recognizable name that i think everyone who watched him play recognized he's a hall of famer though those who disagree will point to war and other statistical analysis but anybody have watched omar viscal play shortstop knows that there has there's never no, been there's a, not a doubt yeah there's never been a, a a more spectacular player as short defensively and quite honestly with 2800 hits in his career i just don't know how you can deny him uh, i think he's I, the next one to go into this crop of players i think he will and i do believe he might be one of those that gets going to get in because 
of a veterans committee type mm-hmm. scenario where players will recognize what he did, kind of like Jack Morris did. Yep. Speaking of a guy who had a brief stint with the Indians, uh, also going in this class, and then Alan Tramble. Boy, it's a really good class. Oh, this is the best class. Really good. This class, is the best class in a long time. I mean, the Kirby Puckett year when mm-hmm. he went in and all that. Tony Gwynn. There was a few other classes over the years that were really. I mean, I think it was Tony Gwynn went in with Cal Ripken. Yeah. You know that was phenomenal, and there's been others, but. It's really is, in my opinion, you know, one Alan of Alan Trammell, too, is going in, yeah, right? right. Alan Trammell, Jack Morris, you know, Jim Tomey, uh, Vatty Glamero. So you want to talk about like God hit anything underneath the sun? Holy mackerel. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting uh, what's going on there. I, I mean, who just like you say, he could hit the ball that was two feet over his head to mm. two feet that bounced in front yep. of him on home plate and. Right now, uh, his son is maybe the most exciting player in mm-hmm. the minor leagues uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. He'll probably get called up here in the next month if he hasn't been called up yet in the I, next few days. It uh, wouldn't shock I, me at I all. I imagine he's going to be a September call-up very yeah, soon. I think he may even be a little sooner, especially if they're able to make a move here mm-hmm. before the trade deadline and uh, free up some more uh, 40-man roster scenario and – Quite honestly, he's their star in the making yep. for Toronto. They're going to build that team around him and try to use him as a uh, uh, an anchor. And, you know, not to get too much into Toronto Blue Jays there, but just talking about uh, Vlad and what he brought to uh, baseball. But, yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, you look at this class, it's terrific. Jim Tomey may be the last pure power hitter we're going to see go into the Hall of Fame in a long time. Because Jim Tomey did not steal bases. Mm-mm. Jim Tomey did not have a high batting average. He just hit the ball a long way. And he drove in a lot of runs. And he had a high on-base percentage. I mean, his his credentials are absolutely Hall of Fame credentials. But what he was is a true power hitter. And today is not as recognized as I think a the power. Next one, probably David Ortiz, wouldn't, wouldn't you think, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think. But Ortiz actually had a decent batting average at times. Yeah. You know, and Jim Tomey batted 300 a couple times in his yeah, career. Yeah, he but, hit uh, 276 for a career. Yeah, and which is phenomenal. Which is incredible for a. Yeah, 611 home runs, 612. 12 home runs and a major league record 13 walk offs. Yeah. You want to talk about performing in the clutch? Yeah, he had nine of them with the Cleveland yes, Indians. Yes, he did. Walk offs. Don't get me wrong. They're they're exciting. They're one, that's the most exciting play is a home run to win a ball game. Mm-hmm. The true walk off. Everything else ends a ball game, in my opinion. It's not a walk off. A walk off is where you go. Run. Yeah, you go around all the bases and you win the game. Uh, and you know, and again, it's the most overrated statistical thing that people bring up because you can only do it at home. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a walk off on the road. road. Yep. So you can put your team ahead on the road but you then you closer or whoever has to finish out the game and you know so he doesn't get the same fanfare but there's there's nothing that gets a, a stadium rocking more than a, a home run that wins a ball game and it's just it's exciting it's what makes it you know baseball fun and in the 90s we've seen a lot of that mm-hmm. and we've seen it francona era too we haven't seen it lately this year and that's probably you know getting into the cleveland indians a little bit here one of my biggest concerns this year is they haven't had that signature comeback win where they've been down three to five runs in the last inning or two and made a comeback and won, and especially at home. Yeah, they didn't have uh, they, a win like we did last year when we did a podcast. 
when you sat here and said they need a big comeback win, they were down nine two against Texas and right. and they came back and won. So yeah, we haven't had that uh, this year of late and. It's just one of those things. Baseball so uh, you know. Remember, two thousand eleven. I think we led the league and walk off wins like some, like fifteen or it's you know we lost ninety some games. It's just a funny thing that right. It, it is. It's a you never know when it's going to happen. But obviously, Jim Tomey going to the Hall of Fame to me is the uh, number one thing going on this weekend. But there's been a lot of interesting things going on in sports, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll get, get maybe go back into Jim Tell Me, but mm-hmm. I think everything's been said and what he has achieved, and it's just going to be fun. If you have a chance to be in front of your TV this weekend to watch be. it, I know I that's my, my plan. I yep. even have my, my vacation week planned after nothing could ever get in the Oh, way. you're on vacation this week. Yes, How lucky. Uh, yes. Good time. Hey, if my manager's listening, can I take a vacation this week? <laughs> yeah. I'll see you at 8 on Monday morning, Joel. Uh, I'm open for interviews, so. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of that, real quickly, uh, I mentioned it last week. Might as well mention it now and make it 100% official. I am not going to be involved in high school football this year. Uh, Just things didn't work out. Z104 decided to go in a different direction, went to Western Pennsylvania, and went with people who are familiar with those schools, and I understand that completely. Mm -hmm. That's just the way the business works. Uh, I did contact my friends over at Forever Broadcasting, and they've cut back this year. They mm-hmm. used to do two games a week. It's they've a now cut down to one game a week. And will I get involved with uh, Trip Live? It's possible, but I'm not like saying it's going to happen. I don't expect that. Uh, high school basketball. I do believe I will be back to do North uh, to do Newcastle again this season. That I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident about. And it looks like I may do something local here, but I don't have the the rights to really talk about it yet. So I could be quite involved in uh, high school basketball this year, both in Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. So that's just on, on a personal note what's going on there. And football has begun. Finally, huh? It is here. We're back. Oof. We're talking football. The NFL has uh, officially broke camp and every uh, on every team, and the NFL has its uh, playoff, not playoff, excuse me, their NFL uh, Hall of Fame ceremony is coming up, which means the Hall of Fame game on Sunday night, which is really weird to me still. I know it's been that way for a long time, but I still remember it being a Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. ball game. And uh, I think it's after a Thursday this year. Is, is it a Thursday? They change it so they can avoid the field being damaged. In order to have the Hall of Fame ceremony. They it's field turf now. Yep. And a couple years ago, they had the Hall of Fame induction ceremony before the game like they always did. And it damaged the field, they said, and made it unplayable. So the game's now on Thursday right. night. Right. But that was when they were still building a stadium. I don't think they were quite ready for the game as they originally said they would have been. And uh, it Thursday, was rushed. August yeah. 2nd. Well, oh, there you, you go. You can pay 70 bucks to go see guys who won't be in a football roster for next month. Many years ago, I had a chance to go to uh, the, the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. ceremonies. Did it, uh, God, this had to have been in the 80s. It had to have been probably 1989, maybe 1990, in that mm-hmm. range, maybe 88. It was in that era, so it was quite a long time ago. I had a friend of mine who was a uh, engineer, and he was interning at uh, Canton at, for the government. 
uh, for the local government Canton. And Canton just shuts down that day, obviously. It's a big thing. And everyone volunteers and gets in. So what happened was one of his uh, bosses was, was a um, volunteer that was going to be at the gate to uh, take tickets and, and see people and stuff like that. So I get this call on the morning he goes hey what are you doing today i says well i gotta work at like three o'clock or two o'clock mm-hmm. you know like or four to nine i was kind of part-time working in the mall at the time and sure enough i got called and i says hey i got a chance to go to the game oh i just take so yeah. next thing i know uh jim and i uh jump in the car and we're headed to canton and where and he says we're gonna park at my uh my boss's uh driveway because like literally just a block away from the stadium and all that and sure enough we go to the whatever gate he was mm-hmm. working in we walk right in <laughs> and, uh, and this is back when they used to have the the way the the game was set up i mean i remember it was the old mm-hmm. high school Fawcett stadium there was a side where there was a um a hill that yes, people used yes. to have that. the blankets mm-hmm. and, and sit and watch mm-hmm. the game there. And sometimes football would yes. roll up the yep. hill and stuff like that. If it was a rainy day, kids would slide, slide down, down yep. the hill and all that. Well, it wasn't a rainy day. It was a really, really hot day. Matter of fact, it was probably like 92 to 95 degrees that day. And it was a Buffalo game. Uh, Buffalo, I can't remember. I think it went Buffalo, Washington. Matter of fact, let's check it out. It was Buffalo, Washington, and it was Ernest Biner's first game with the Redskins. So that would have been the season of 1990. I went to that. That was the only Hall of Fame game I ever went to, and but I did get we did get there early enough, and that was the year Terry Bradshaw got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I believe uh, Art Shell was. In, in that class also. 1989, yep. Was it 1989? Yep. Okay. Bills and Redskins. Yeah. And uh, see, I still have a memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we hung out that day. We uh, watched some football for free uh, and had a, had a great day and uh, got to see the uh, ceremonies. That's when it was back in front of the Hall of Fame on the, mm-hmm. uh, yep. on the steps. And uh, Terry Bradshaw made his famous statement, uh, if I could only put my hands underneath Matt, uh, uh, Mike Webster's butt one more time. And then uh, Mike Webster, I believe, was there already in the Hall of Fame or was in the same class. Next thing you know, he's, he's, uh, he has the ball in his hand and he's <laughs> centering it to, uh, to Bradshaw, if I remember correctly. And uh, so, you know, I always says that we never talk any Steelers. There you go, Steelers <laughs> fans. Really, really a, a good memory. And uh, obviously, if you have a chance to get to the Hall of Fame, go for it. Even if it's just to to visit the, the uh, Hall of Fame itself, it's just down the road, an hour away. If you're a football fan, it's a must. Absolutely incredible it's, experience. It really is a great experience. I haven't been there in years. I've been there maybe about six, seven years ago for an event that I was helped covering, and then I was in and out real mm-hmm. quick, but I didn't get really a chance to go through, and it's been, I mean, here I am talking about, it's probably been 30 years since I've been there, and uh, it's really worth it, though, if you have that opportunity. We have some great museums, and uh, the football yeah, the Hall of Fame just... is just, yeah, it's phenomenal, and they do a great job, and you got to go see it. I, there's a no question in my mind. I was there if, twice last year, and it was absolutely, absolutely incredible experience. Yeah. It Absolutely is. incredible. So many, you know, new players in the last, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years, let's say, that have Guys gotten Guys that we in. grew up with. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, you're seeing that, that new generation of players being inducted, and then you get some of the old timers that got left out they, who've been uh, recognized. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not even sure who's in this class for the NFL this year off the top of my head. I know it's uh, Pat Bowen did not make it. And I want to pound the table here real quick. Yeah, go ahead. If there is anybody that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, it's Pat Bowen. Considering everything he's done, not only for the Denver Broncos, and, I, and we all know I'm a diehard Denver Broncos fan. As Tim pointed out last Saturday, he saw me in the parking lot. Uh, I was wearing my Broncos gear. But for a franchise to have more Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons in 35 years is absolutely incredible. To sustain that brand of excellence, and not only do, do the Denver Broncos sustain excellence, what he did for the NFL in terms of the competition committee, and he's one of the large reasons, if you talk to Paul Tagliabue, Roger Goodell, and all the owners, for getting the media rights and getting the NFL to boom with NBC and CBS and Fox. And if you like it or not, and I don't like it, Thursday Night Football, he was a spearhead behind that. Um, I understand there's a lot of really good contributors that go in. And Jerry Jones can go in, then it's time for Pat Bowen to go in next year. And hopefully next year at this time, Canton, Ohio, once again, is orange and blue. I know Northeast Ohio fans don't want to see Broncos country to sound upon, but if there's anybody that deserves to go in, it's Pat Bowen. For everything he's done, let's take away what he's done for the Broncos, but just what he's done for the NFL in general, hopefully with, with, with Sal Palantonio and all those guys who are on the competition committee board who vote for this stuff, hopefully he's being inducted next year so we can paint Canton orange and blue again. Well, you know, every owner has its has made its impact on the game at some level. And he has been around for a very long time, and he's have had a very successful run mm-hmm. as an owner and probably never be the stadium and everything else that has been built in Denver in the last 10 years without him. So, I mean, he, he, has, yeah, his, he has his value beyond. And what he, how he selected to those who have run his organization mm-hmm. over the years. Hey, credit credit is where credit is due, and uh, I have no problem with that. Obviously, the NFL has a lot of politics involved mm-hmm. when it comes to the Hall of Fame, and always has, always will. And I don't know if it's how they actually make the choices they made. I know T.O. made the decision not to mm-hmm. attend this year, which, you know, honest to God, it's always been about T.O. in his life. Yes, so I'm has. not I'm not really caring. I mean, it doesn't bother me one bit. I won't miss him one And Yeah, and... You know, I wish the NFL the best and just recognize them. Do what you normally do. Have someone induct him, whoever it may be, if it's a coach or if it's a owner, if it's a former player, you know, teammate, and let them speak about him. And then, you know, show a highlight on the on the scoreboard to move on. You know, I'm sure that's basically what's going to happen, but we'll wait and see, you know, next week when that, when that comes about. Uh, in the football world, though, probably the biggest news of the week – is the Cleveland Browns? Is the Cleveland is Browns? The Cleveland Browns, and it's positively for you guys. And it's not all positive. Well, yeah, true. And that's what I was going to get into first. I mean, the Josh Gordon scenario. I don't know. Obviously, we don't know him, and we never mm-hmm. will. And we're not going. I'm not going to cast aspersions on him. But in the same vein, this is not a big surprise. I know no. they say this is proactive, and maybe it is. 
But in the same vein, when the when the team doesn't come out and say, "Oh no, we know he's not going to get suspended," mm-hmm. uh, that tells you everything you need to know about yep. the scenario. I mean, yes, he is one of the most talented individuals to play the wide receiver mm-hmm. in the last five seven mm-hmm. years. The question is, can he stay clean? Yeah, mm-hmm. sober, clean. Uh, you know, within the rules of engagement that is allowed in the NFL under drug policies. And I don't think he can. I think it's difficult for him. And, and look, I've never fortunate been addicted to anything mm-hmm. like that. And I don't have those problems. And many people who do. And we all know somebody in our lifetimes that has and knows the daily struggle. And, uh, you know, I wish him well on a personal level. I want to see him succeed, you know, on a personal level. As a football player, we'll just wait and see. I mean, I said this from the very beginning. It's just it's a wait and see with him. Every day is a new adventure. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, in the long term, it'll get done, and uh, he'll be okay, and hopefully be a, prof- a, a productive NFL player. But more than it being an NFL player, let's hope he just becomes a productive mm-hmm. person and is able to control some of the demons that he has to deal with on a daily basis because – I'm kind of curious to see exactly what will happen on this. I think he has talent. Obviously, oh, we all know he has talent. He has the question potential. is, is can he uh, you know, help a team today? And that's the huge question mark with him, is can he help your team? If he plays, we've seen him play at high levels mm-hmm. at different times. Too. We see him also be non-engaged in the game at, at times. So he's, he's a wild card. And the Browns? We'll have to make a decision, you know, sooner or later on him. Maybe he'll make the decision for him because of what's going yep. on. And uh, let's hope not. Let's hope that he has that opportunity. I'm not real thrilled with the scenario. And as a Browns fan, I, I just I more can wish Josh Gordon the best as an individual and hope that he can contribute to the Cleveland Browns. But I'm not, like, banking on it. Yeah, it's a shame that this is back in the spotlight again. I think after we all thought maybe he had turned the corner and gotten his life going the right way, and hopefully this is just a short, a short-term thing, just to completely solidify that he is clean and going to turn it around. We talked about this last year, maybe halfway during the football season. It's not about football for him anymore. It's about, like you said, being a productive member of society and being clean and getting your life on the right track was you know he has a lot more years left without football when he retires or decides it's it's over that he still has to deal with you know so hopefully he can this is another step in the process of becoming completely clean and sober and kudos to him for getting the help he needs and realizing it but uh now the question becomes Will we see him on the field this year? I don't know. I don't. That's uh, to be determined, really. That's the you best really way can't sit back and say, oh, yeah, you're going to see him this week or this week. You know, it's, right now, it's, it's only the Browns really know, and he knows if there's a realistic shot of him coming back this year. And maybe the Browns don't even know 100%. And I think um, that's the case. I think the Browns are kind of And that's why you see in the between, yeah. well, to Cleveland Let's put it rumors. this way. Let me read this for you. Zach uh, Jackson tweeted uh, Jimmy Haslam. We've seen a different Josh Gordon in the spring. We continue to work with him to help him get better. So what his status is is still unknown, mm-hmm. and it will be unknown. And unfortunately, as a Browns fan and an NFL fan, or 
any type of fan, basically you want to say right now, it's going to be a day-to-day update, yep. a week-to-week update with him. And we'll just, you know, see where it goes. The Browns are going to be behind the eight ball. They have the injuries at the at the wide receiver to start the season. And they have now Josh Gordon out. So talk of Des Bryant, I don't know. I We'll wait and see. I know Browns fans at work are already penciling in a winning season. Well, it, everybody pencils in a winning season. It's like baseball spring training. Everybody Hope expects it. eternal. No, absolutely. And last year they talked about that. And they didn't win a game. <laughs> they didn't win a game. I mean, speaking of which, here's what we're doing on the podcast. And I didn't tell you this until right now. But we are introducing and bringing the wooden spoon into the NFL this year. <laughs> the two-time champion of the wooden spoon, the Cleveland Browns. That is for the worst record in the NFL, uh, who probably now have, like, the rotten wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. We'll see how long it continues. But, yeah, you know, you have the Super Bowl champion every mm-hmm. year. And then uh, we need to give out a trophy. And this is something they do uh, in different sports. They call it the wooden spoon. I love it. Uh, it goes to the worst team in football. So let's uh, let's give it to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, by default for the last two years, they earned it. And uh, congratulations, congratulations! Yes, on the wooden spoon, and let's see what they can do this year to get rid of it and and move forward. Look, the Browns are a different team. They have a lot more talent than they ever had in the last five years. Yes, they do. Now, do I think Tyrod Taylor is like the greatest quarterback in the world? No. Do I think he's a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL? The answer is yes. Uh, on any given he gets day, the job done. On any given week, he could be a top five quarterback. On any given week, he, he could be, be a top. Bottom. He could be mm-hmm. a bottom five quarterback. But I think at the end of the year, when he if he plays all sixteen games and he's healthy and he's playing to his capacity, then you're going to see a guy who'll finish probably in the top fifteen in the NFL quarterbacks. Does that make him a superstar or a pro bowler? No, but it makes him a competent mm-hmm. NFL quarterback and. You look at it this way, 12 teams make the NFL postseason mm-hmm. every year. If you're around 15, you're you're knocking on that door. Yep. Your team's chances are, are you're knocking on that door. So that's really where you want to see what happens. Offensively, we'll wait and see. I think that team can score points for the first time in years. Will they score 40 points like Landry has been saying? No. I highly doubt that. Will the Pittsburgh Steelers average 40 points a game? No. Uh, they Got close at times. They outscored a lot of teams in the last few years. But, you know, look, it's going to be an interesting scenario to see how it all, you know, pans out. Uh, Running back is my most interesting position because you have the rookie uh, and you have uh, Carlos Hyde Mm -hmm. battling it out. It'll be interesting to see how that goes all season long. And that, to me, is going to be really interesting. You got three running backs all wanting the ball, and it'll be – up to Todd Haley to see how to get that rotation going and see who takes the lead there. So I think it can happen. I just, you know, wait and see on that. Uh, the wide receivers, yeah, they're, they're, it's a huge upgrade, you know. And if you, if Gordon comes back, they'll do well. Defensively, I think they've upgraded too. I will say this. I think they're going to be competitive in most games. And I believe they're going to have a chance. I'll go back to my old saying in the NFL. If you want to be a winning team in the NFL, meaning a team that has an opportunity to play deep into the playoffs every year, your team offensively has to score a minimum of 24 points a game. Yep. If you don't get to the 24-point level, chances are you're going to be uh, 500 or less each year. 
and the team that scores 24 points or more will probably actually be into the playoffs and have winning records. And I'm not just saying nine and seven, I'm saying 10 and six, 11 and five or better. You can look, I mean, I've never did a statistical analysis. Mm-hmm. This has always been my belief. If you look at the scores each and every week in the NFL, that magic number is 24. You score 24 points, your team have probably has a chance to win about 80% of the time. If your team does not get to that 24 point level, Chances are of you winning are slim. Yeah, there are a lot of games where teams might win 17-14 or 20-7 or 20-13 type thing. But truth of the matter is if you're an offense that is worth its value in the NFL, you score three touchdowns and at least one field goal a game. And then if you have that opportunity to score four touchdowns, then you're really one of the elite teams in the NFL. And that's where it comes down to. You know, defensively, you have to stop somebody, but offensively, you have to score. And the team that can score, in my opinion, at least 24 points a game is going to win the majority of their games. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think the only outlier in the last couple of years of not really scoring 24 a game was the 2015 Denver Broncos, who slugged their way to a lot of ugly 14-10 games, 17-13 games. It, was, it kind of set offensive football back 20 years. In order to win the NFL... I know we all say defense wins championships, and you... They and, do. Defense... But you still got to be able to, per, you to still produce to put, drives. Yes. If you don't score, at least get some first downs and play field position. In the fourth quarter, down six points, I don't care what the score is, you have the you ball at your own 25-yard line, six minutes to play. You have to be able to be an offense that can dr- make yep. a drive to win the ball game. doesn't always happen. You know, if you're down four points, whatever yep. you want to say, you need a touchdown or a field goal or whatever yep. to tie the game or win the game, you're down, put the point spread, whatever you want. Six minutes left in the game. Can you drive that 50 to 75 yards to get that touchdown or field goal of the game, tying, winning type scenario? That's when you know you have a quality offense is when the pressure's on in the fourth quarter, less than, you know, six minutes to play mm-hmm. that you can drive your team. Your your last offensive series of the right. game. And when I and obviously big plays play a big part of it, but most drives in the NFL, when I say that, are you know, seven to ten plays yep. long. And that's what you're looking at. You know, a couple first down, a big play down the middle, but you're still continuing to move the ball forward, running the ball, being able to uh throw the ball when necessary, pick up first downs and keep the clock, you know, on your side and having your offense dictate to a defense what's gonna happen in the ball game. Because that's what it comes down to. Where defense wins ball games, defense is able to stop that type of mm-hmm. offense and get them off the field and prevent them from scoring. Or, you know, you get lucky and they miss the field goal or they throw the interception, whatever the case may be. But that's really what it comes down to. And the NFL is very simple, in my opinion, as statistically staking, not physically, not game planning, mm-hmm. not actual uh, execution of the game. But if you look at 24 points per game mm-hmm. offensively, if you're holding a team underneath 24 points a game defensively, oh, 17, you're, 20, yep. yeah, you're doing a great job. You get, you're giving your your team an if you opportunity. Give up 20 points or less, you got a chance to win a lot of football games. Exactly, exactly, and that's what it comes down to. And will the Browns get to that level this year? I think they, they have the they they I think they can. I think you know. Look, I think the motivation in Week One is going to be so high. It's oh, going to yeah. be interesting to see how they handle it. 
Obviously, they haven't even played a preseason game. They barely played a couple preseason mm-hmm. downs yep. right now. So let's just you know hold our enthusiasm as Browns fans to a minimum and and just let it work it out. And let's see what this team looks like in the preseason. And let's see if players are making plays. I don't care what the score is. I'm looking for players to make, make plays, plays yep. both offensively and defensively. And that's the key. And we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly what changes will happen in the next few weeks. We'll just, you know, wait for them to make those decisions and comment on them. But, I mean, that goes with any team. It's just like your your Broncos, you know, a brand-new team basically this yeah. year with a new quarterback, you know, and new, new, offensive, yep. new offensive coordinator, yep. the whole thing. So it, they're going through the same thing. And it's about, you know, yes, their team was built around defense. And, yes, the defense did carry them to their Super Bowl. Yep. With, and it was – you still had, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever at the, on that team, even at the end of his career, mm-hmm. lead that team. So it made a big difference. You know, you don't win without Manning, even though you had the most dominating defense, you know, that yep. the NFL seen in the last four or five years at that time. So it'll be interesting to see. You uh, want to talk about a team that – if they could just score consistent 24 points a game, can win a lot of games. It's us. Not, with the defense we have, we should be able to we should be able to win a lot of games scoring 24 points. And there's some games you're going to lose. We should be able to win a lot of games if we score 24 points. In the past couple of years, it's been a real struggle to get to that consistently with the inconsistent offensive line play and a mediocre run game and very poor quarterback play so hopefully this year we have figured out the quarterback position and hopefully we can stay healthy i that's what everybody's saying this time of year let's just stay healthy and like you said it's hopefully we see a lot of playmakers in camp and you know we'll see where the chips fall and the season begins i think our schedule honestly is very daunting and it you know the games you pencil is may for sure wins aren't you know, there's no f- thing as a for sure win the NFL, but, you know, you never know. I, It's so easy in the NFL to go from last to first, like we talked about, in one year. Um, so, hopefully Keenum stabilizes the position and the loss of C.J. Anderson is not as detrimental as a lot of fans think it could be. So, we'll just wait and see. It's a a very tough opener from the start in Seattle and Russell Wilson. So, and then we get our favorite team from out north in California in the crappy silver and black week too. <laughs> you know, I take it one week at a time. Yep. You know that it's my. And I don't even know who we play preseason week one. I, yeah, you I know don't what? Even who know. cares? Honest to God, I don't even if know. There's the more overhyped over necessary and over belief is the nfl preseason yes the games need to be played yes the yep. teams need that opportunity to evaluate players i don't deny all that yeah but as a fan i honestly i maybe watch you know first quarter and that's and it. that's about it second quarter and in the, in the games two and three in a first half and then that's it and the fourth game is is really about no, backups. It's, it's really about backups, and what do you what do you who you want to see? That's the key. I mean, you just can't be indecisive on your team and figure out who's still winning a uh, a position in in that week four of the of the preseason because you're you're only ten days away from the kickoff. You just can't be in that scenario. That's difficult for most mm-hmm. teams, especially if you have multiple te- players battling for a position, whatever it may be. But 
that's competition so you never know and every team does it differently so yep real quick uh i gotta talk about this and it drives me nuts there's so much going on in this world and so much that we talk about that's absolutely bullshit that the narrative has changed from what it's about you know this dallas cowboys we're going to make them all stand at attention and Mm -hmm. on a national anthem the protest was never ever about the national anthem simple as that and anybody tells you it's about a protest against the national anthem they're wrong yep i agree with that and i'm tired of that narrative going through I'm not saying I support or do not support the players who chose to do what they do. It was a protest about equality. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about. And if you don't understand that, then you just don't understand people. And there's many out there who don't, and I get it. But don't give me that narrative. This is a this is anti-American. Don't give me that narrative that this is anti-national anthem because it's not. And it is more than that. And this is, uh, it's about freedoms. And I'm not going to go on a big diatribe about it, but I, you know, what's been said in the last 24 hours just makes me ill as an American because one of the great things we can do in this country is protest our government and protest scenarios that we see that is unjust. And it doesn't matter where you do it, as long as you're doing it peacefully. And not disturbing someone else's life, mm-hmm. taking a uh, a scenario where you're preventing someone's life being in danger. I don't have a problem with it. And uh, there are many people who organize every weekend to protest certain things yep. in life, and that's their choice. I don't care what it is. That's what they want to do. They're more than willing. If they're willing to stand with a sign and say "honk my horn" and all that, <laughs> or whatever it may be, I, it's fine. But, you know, the, change the narrative to try to say this is uh, those who are anti-American or anti-national anthem. Mm-hmm. Just it irritates me. It's wrong. And it's just it was never about that. And those who go down down that obviously don't want to deal with the actual subject that was uh, being brought by Kaepernick and others who took that kneel. And for Jerry Jones to come out and say what he said this past week when he made a public statement last year, last year yep. going into the middle of the, the, the field with his entire team and leading them down to one knee is total, utter bullshit. And shame on him. And if he's a Hall of Famer, then he should be fucking have his plaque uh Oh, he with, is. With Last a, year, I with, sat there with, 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 a, with a with a goddamn bag over it, and uh, there's no question about it. And it's just um, you want to talk about a narcissistic bullshit. guy. Yeah, we sat there last year, and last year the NFL really tried to emphasize 20 minute on speeches. Now, look, you can you have your own. Everybody has their own opinion about Jerry Jones. Yours and my dad are very similar. Very stuff. You guys are like right on the same wavelength in regards to Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, I, I really didn't, I didn't care for him, but I didn't care against him. Just sit there for 55 minutes and listen to his me, 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 me. Shut, <laughs> shut up. When you have Kurt Warner behind you, who a lot of people wanted to hear. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that has a tremendous story 
and just a really good background. Phenomenal what he does. story. One of the best stories in the it, NFL in the last 25 years. That's what the Hall Fund Weekend's about. Not this me, 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 me. And, and then for him to turn around to, to Jerry or to Jimmy Johnson's eight, you cost me a Super Bowl. Shut, shut up, man. Shut up. And go, go kneel in the middle of, of I-77 somewhere. Just go kneel somewhere. But he's just a, a narcissistic hypocrite. And, and I can see why my dad and you just don't care for him. He's uh, Most owners he's have egos idiot. that are size of a football field. And that's why they own a team. His is the size of two football well, fields. Well, yeah, his is the size of his stadium that he built. And, you know, and that's just the way it works. God, Most owners like, do. There are those who are more of an organizational person. Mm-hmm who wants to win and put people in the right position to win mm-hmm. and, and do their very best. There are those who I think have to learn how to have yep. an organization, and that's Jimmy Haslam's same thing. Yep. I mean, Jimmy Haslam has a huge ego, but it's been cut so bad the last three, four seasons yep. because of what decisions he's made and how it's affected his organization and his team. And, you know, he basically had to give in and, and give control to a NFL person to, to re- resurrect the, the opportunity. And, you know, we'll see what John Dorsey can do. I think he's a great hire. I think he knows the NFL. I think he understands players. Uh, obviously, you already know. I don't agree with every decision he's made. But I respect him because I know he knows what he's doing in the NFL. At least he's trying to do something and change the culture football-wise. Well, yeah, exactly. He's brought in football players. First and foremost, he's brought, he's brought in actual football he's players. He's brought in football actual players. Actual guys that you look at and go, okay, that guy can play but, for me. And that's that's a football player, you know, and that's that's the key. He evaluates good quality talent. Analy- I am so sick and tired of this analytics garbage. And just it being – I understand analytics is a, a part of sports nowadays. But to go 100% and make all your beliefs on that is just – at the end of the day, whatever sport you're playing, football, baseball, basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, it's all about feel. It, it's all about a gut instinct. And at the end of the day, you got to players make plays. I don't want to hear about the numbers and all. I get numbers are playing a larger portion of the game. But it just nauseates me to hear, you know, you know, the Browns tried to do analytical. And it failed miserably. Well, let me, let me kind of change your thought process here a little bit you can't rely on one set of numbers to tell you everything no that i agree with 100 percent. however i do believe you can get information I to do help too. to yeah. make your decisions better i do too and and to help a team or organization learn from their mistakes and if you do it properly i think you can grade certain things mm-hmm. now that's kind of like in baseball i mean analytics you know is the main reason why you see the shift and oh. all that and it's correct mm-hmm it's correct. When you see a team load up to the first base side, you know, with all with four players on that side of the field, and it's because that, that player at the plate will pull the ball that way 75, 70, 80, some 85% of the time. So if they do hit a flare the other way and get a base hit and beat you. Tip your cap. Tip your cap, move on. But you put yourself in the best position to succeed. That I don't have a problem with. Like, for example, if there's a play in the NFL that that says, if I line up my player here mm-hmm. and this, I'm going to be able to take advantage of mm-hmm. this because it's going to open up the field this way because we've seen it happen. Yep. That's using information. And defensively doing the same thing. If I load the one side of the line, I can overtake it and get to the quarterback. That's all what information does. And that's what analytics to me is. 
Uh, it's not a uh, golden thing where it says, all right, you scored a 7.5 out of this 10, mm-hmm. so he is a, a starter. Yep. No, you, that's not necessarily. Uh, and I think you can absolutely see it in the Browns' thought process in this past year because they have used the information that they've given, but they've also used the football analysis mm-hmm. of what's going on. And quite honestly, I think that's why, you know, Baker Mayfield went number one. You know, when all said and done, John Dorsey liked his skill set mm-hmm. better than the others. Not necessarily what I expected it to happen, but that's what did happen. And we'll see, you know, in the next year how that all uh, comes about. Quickly, let's uh, – I do want to uh, move on to the Indians real quick. I know you uh, live and die each week. Yes, I each, uh, each game. Each game. Each game. Yeah. Uh, how how are you on, on the meter today? Are you uh, <laughs> jumping off the bridge? You are like or my boss. Are you uh, coming back uh, down to reality recognizing it was game 102? <laughs> This is like my boss. He comes to me every morning, and it's, good morning, how are you doing today? And before we even talk about work, it's, where are you on the meter of jumping today? And look, we listened to the game Wednesday together at work, and he texted me as soon as the game was over. He said, so where are you on the meter right now? He said, Bauer looked pretty good. And I said, yeah, we did. You know, we got to drink it. it. Listen. Do I think we can win the World Series? No. I'm going to say that right now. I don't think we can win the World Series. The way we are assembled right now, I don't think we can win the World Series. I hope to God I'm wrong. I hope to God I'm proven wrong. I hope I hope I am wrong, 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 wrong. I was sitting yesterday at lunch, and we were discussing it. A guy said, you know, 90 wins should win the division. I said, well, 90 wins should win you the division by 10 games because it's— well, as Minnesota is playing right now, they lost last night, I believe, or they won again. I don't know what they did last night. Yeah. I really didn't pay attention. They actually lost in uh, extra innings. They lost. Yeah. I knew they were up 3-2 in the ninth. My grandpa and I They turned. gave up a home run and then they, uh, a walk-off, actually, by, uh, I believe, Mookie Becks. Can they trade Eddie Rosario? If the Twins trade Eddie Rosario and the Indies never have to see him 19 times a year again, then I can rest easier at night. <laughs> Well, that's um, not going to happen, but I understand the thought process. I, I don't think we can win the World Series, and I've said that, and I will stick to it. I don't. I just don't think we can win the World Series. If we, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I call me stupid. I'd rather play the Yankees in the LDS in Houston. Not that it matters, but you, you're going to have to beat them all to begin with. Well, here's the thing: no matter who you face in that first round, it's a five-game series. So that's that's the that's that the hardest have part going for you this year. That, well, that's the hardest part because there's not room for error. As anybody who's I'm, watched a five game series understands what I'm saying. No. Okay. And now, do I think the Yankees are beatable? Yeah, I do. I, do I think Boston's beatable? I think they are. Uh, quite honest with you, with the Indians' strength are. Is, I'm worried about the starting pitching. Well, I'm not worried about the starting pitching. I'm not worried about that at all, long term, because you still have players who, I mean, you got Bauer th- having the season of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You still have Corey Kluber, who is Corey Kluber, a two-time Cy Young Award winner. You have Carlos Carrasco is getting better each week since he's come back from his injury. You know, uh, you have you know, players who can play. I mean, I right there, those three to me are your keys, you know, starting pitching-wise. Your bullpen's going to get better. We've seen that yesterday, you know, in the last two games with hand, you know, now giving – Francona options that mm-hmm. he did not have before. And 
I think those are important things right now. Hands closing and you know Cody I like Allen hand closing and Cody Allen's trying to find his groove back, which is good. I mean, and you know with Miller potentially being back here in the next you know week to ten days, next week or so. Yeah, he's supposed to yeah. pitch today, and then we'll we're going to reevaluate see. and move from there. But when he comes back, it's going to be huge. I mean, the bullpen's set up for the bullpen is is going to be the best it possibly can be. But let me put it that way. Yeah, it's, and. I definitely believe that the starting pitching is in good shape. Really, what it comes down to is the bottom of the lineup performing a little bit better than and it Nick has. And on DL now too. Yeah, that's actually not a bad thing because your outfield is kind of. I mean, right now that's where the Indians need to make a move. Will they go after somebody before the trading deadline on the thirty-first? That's maybe it's possible. But I really do think they'll probably, wait to, probably the pick someone during line, yeah. the, the waiver period, you know, is is obviously an opportunity, just like they did last year with Bruce. And it can happen. Obviously, a center fielder could be there. It I all depends on it. all. Well, I like Billy Hamilton, but I don't like him as a starter. I understand that. I'd rather have him as a guy who off I used bench. off the bench as a defensive replacement mm-hmm. late in a ball game and as a pinch runner. I don't think he's much of an offensive threat. And I, I don't think that. he's uh, – he can help a team, but I don't think he would make a, uh, a huge difference in a team. Obviously, I think – Dietrich, yeah. They Dietrich, get, yeah. yeah, Dietrich. Uh, he's the guy they go after. I mean, that – he is a player. Yeah, about 285 average. He's going to hit, I think he said, about 12 home runs this year. And he can play infield and outfield. Uh, he's kind of like Kipnis was. You know, he can play second base. He can play third base. He can play the outfield. He's a player that if you're going to give up something to get, that's the guy I'm willing to do. Everybody else, you're looking at what I would say top 35 in your organization players, mm-hmm. 30 to 50 is what you'd be trading, not necessarily 15, top 20, depending on what it is. He, I may give up a little bit more to get him just because he's under control for a few more years and he can do. That's the one downside know. of targeting Adam Jones. Is he's, well, Adam Jones is like, Adam Jones is just like Bruce a rental. You're willing to pay for it to mm-hmm. have that, that bat in the lineup the rest of the year and that player. And that makes sense. Does he move the needle defensively, though? Well, you don't have to be. A superstar center field. You just have to be competent. Mm-hmm. You know, make be able to make the throw, hit your cutoff man, go back on a ball and make a catch. And he can do those. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I'm not looking for, uh, you know, Bradley Zimmer. Plays, yeah, yeah, I'm not looking for Bradley Zimmer. He can run like a gazelle, mm-hmm. go back yep. on a ball and, and make, dive in for a catch and stuff like that. I'm not looking for that player. I'm looking for the guy who can make the, the play. Yep. N- 99% of the time is the ball's going in front of him. He knows when to, to let it bounce throw, and, yep. and, and give up the base hit, when to go for the dive and make the catch, when to go back on the ball, make the play, hit the cutoff, man. Those are the things that matter. I think that's where the Indians, you know, will go. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be interesting to find out. Uh, I think they definitely have the players to compete in the in, in Major League Baseball. Actually, I think they're in pretty great shape for the playoffs because they're not going to have any competition within their division. All they got to do is set themselves up and stay healthy and continue to improve. And I think that's the goal. And honestly, I still think 92, 94 wins is not out of the question or more. We'll see. There's going to be a win streak. I guarantee you there's going to be a 10 to 15 game win streak coming up here very shortly. It has to happen because of the teams that you're playing. 
uh, it's, it, they may just win series, but I think they're going to put mm-hmm. a put a string together where they they win, they sweep some people, and uh, you know, kind of like the Pirates did. They had an eleven game win streak. I think not maybe that Boy, long. I'd love to have one of their outfielders. Uh, well, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But that's not going to happen no. the way they're playing. You know, and you know, there's other outfielders. I mean, you could possibly go get McCutcheon from uh, the Giants. He's a waiver guy. Yeah, I mean, and that exactly. Speaking of outfielders, Evan Grant from the Dallas Morning News says the Indians are interested in Joey Gallo. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't want him at all. I don't. I. I I'd rather have Melky. I know he yeah. hits home runs, but I'd rather have Melky. I think in the long term, uh, Cabrera is a better player. I, I could be wrong there. We'll see. I'm not. Gallo doesn't move the the needle for me. He's batting 200. Blow that. Yeah. 189. Yeah. I did, well, I get your home runs, but that's in Texas, you yeah. know. So don't get me wrong. It, it's something to be interesting. I think that's more. More just show. I, I think. Yeah, I think that's Texas trying to drive him. up interest yep. in him by saying I have. They have a team yep. that's interested in him, and uh, you know those it's those things Phillies happen. And Indians and I don't. Everything I've heard, it's... The Phillies made their move. They went and got Cabrera uh, yesterday. Yeah, that's a nice little move for them. Yeah. And there was talk about the and Indians the looking at Cabrera. And Mike Moustakis. Yes. Again, there was talk about the Indians yep. looking at that possibility. But it makes more sense. The Indians need an outfielder. I mean, an yep. infielder would help. You can make adjustments, but truth of the matter is they need an outfielder, and I think they will find Adam that Adam Duvall player. from the Reds is intriguing, although he's not having a great year. He, he's again, he's batting 200. Yeah. You know, just, I don't, not a lot of... You know, I, I've heard Curtis Granderson floated around, and I'm uh, yeah, yeah. None of these. The only, the, the only guy that really excites me, like you said, is Adam Jones. I think just you know the name. Adam Jones, you know what you're getting. Hitter. You know what you're buying. It's kind of yep. like Bruce. You know what you're buying. And you know, if there's a player you're willing to go after, is he lengths his lineup? Is Dietrich? I mean, Dietrich. Yeah, Dietrich is the guy. Yep. I mean, that's if I had to, you know, had to give up something, I'm going to give up something to get Dietrich. I'm not going to give up. Something to get Adam Jones. And we'll just wait and see how this all uh, comes about. Real quick story. Uh, last night I had a chance to uh, watch the the AFL again. Mm-hmm. And on the Fox Sports Go. And I turn it on. And I'm all excited. I'm like, let's just you know, get it going here. It's quarter to 12. And they have a replay oh. from last week with the worst team the Golden Spoon winner. <laughs> the Golden Spoon winner. Uh, Carlton. And I'm like, oh, my God. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> they lost by 72 points, and they got Holy this. Holy crap. How do you lose yeah. by 72 points? Uh, and that game is possible. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> so uh, in my sleep-depriving uh, position, as the night went on, as I'm watching part of this and playing on the phone and yeah, and uh, tweeting out stupid stuff about it. You know, hey, Fox Sports, get your get yep. your act together. You're showing last yeah. week's game, you know. And sure enough, at halftime, they they switch over to live, and they say they had a technical difficulty. But that's but then the whole time I'm like BSing and looking, <laughs> and creating havoc on on Twitter because that's what I do. Twitter troll, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> trolling uh, late night. Yeah, and then there's one follower who tells me every little thing I I leave out. It cracks me up. Nice kid, nice guy. But he goes, well, you're you're tweeting the wrong people. You should tweet uh, Fox Sports help. I'm like, I really don't care. Oh my god! <laughs> but no, if I if I do stuff like that, he he always corrects me, which is fun. It's, it, I really don't care. I, I think it's. I even told him, says I'm more ranting than I care. But uh, that's not the story. So 
as I told many people, if you've listened, I drive every week or every day for uh, car parts. So mm-hmm. when I have, uh, I, I listen to podcasts most yep. of the day. I've, I've told that for a long time. I listen to NFL podcasts, Major League Baseball podcasts. And the last few weeks, just to entertain myself, I've been listening to uh, the AFL-type podcasts. And one of my favorites is one called uh, How Good is Footy? <laughs> How Good is Footy? It is phenomenal. There's three guys sitting around talking about Footy of the Week, you know, the, the AFL, what's going on, and this and that. And I says, you know what? I'm going to email these guys and tell them, you know, here I get mm-hmm. one game a week, yep. and I'm getting Carlton for the second yep. week in a row, and when they lost, da 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 And I'm, I'm going through this whole thing, and, of course, I – I go into this whole thing, and I says, oh, i got to put Mason Cox into my story somehow because yep. that's the team that was yep. playing uh, that I didn't get to see the first half. And I'm like, this is good. I get this in there and this and that, and they're playing Richmond, who's the number one team in the league. Yep. I'm like, all right, cool. All right. And I'm thinking, hey, they lost last week, so I'll put that in there. You know, I didn't check my facts. They lost. They didn't lose. They, they didn't lose. They won like 50 points. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> after I, I hit send, because I didn't pay any attention, I'm like, send. Your buddy texted back? No, 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 no. This is the email to that to that podcast, uh, How Good's Footy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, God. And I, I, I started getting on my my leg, and I checked it out, and there it was. They won by 50. I says, oh, second email. Oops. Oops. <laughs> they won. <laughs> they won. <laughs> so I can't wait to if they do email uh, uh, each week. Uh, if they uh, do something with us, ah, that's something maybe we should try to do. See if some people email us and we could do some emails. Yeah. Um, you can email me at tim at radiomvp.com. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe we actually have one for the podcast, but we'll just use that right now. Yep. Tim at radiomvp.com. And you can tell us about anything you want. We'll read it on air and uh, have some fun. If you uh, choose, speaking of which real quickly, I, uh, made a uh, I reached out to Spotify who now does podcasts mm-hmm. and gave them all our information so hopefully we'll be up and running on uh, Spotify very soon you can find us uh, on iTunes uh, SoundCloud Google Play and uh, Stitcher so we'll continue to grow the podcast that way and if you do get this through iTunes please give us a rating or review mm-hmm. it'd be very uh, helpful and help us grow this podcast so uh, I had to get my uh, my little AFL in there. Still trying to get Mason Cox. Chances are slim. We're going to try to get the, uh, the 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 boys from uh, How Goods Footy uh, to make an appearance. Maybe we can get them on, and, and I can ask them the most important sporting question in the world: How good is footy? How good is footy? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I've had fun this summer just doing that. Uh, pure entertainment. It's a fun game. It's, a, it's an interesting game. Summer's over in a month. I know. Hard to believe. It's our summer. It's their winter. That's right. <laughs> They're talking about going in the fall, and I'm saying, or going in spring, and I'm like, what? Wait, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But needless to say, uh, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a character thing. Uh, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's just pure uh, entertainment, as I've mentioned many for the last about month or so here on the podcast, so. You can tell me how foolish I am. You can find me on the internet on Twitter at, at Tim Continenza, and you can find tweet me. him a question. Yeah, anytime. And you can find us on the 
podcast Twitter, Twitter, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, the Twitter machine, as uh, it is the real radio MVP. And you are on Instagram, Instagram ACAP17. And I am also on Instagram, still Tim Continenza on all social medias, make it nice and simple. And uh, we're going to get going here. Anything last thoughts going into this week, uh, baseball, football, or anything wise? No, just uh, excited to watch Tommy go in the Hall of Fame tomorrow. I think it's well-deserved, and hopefully he starts to run a tri-player from the 90s to get inducted. We can have a lot a lot more enjoyable Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for the next couple of years. And without a question, one of the most popular Cleveland Indians of all time, and especially in the last 25 years, uh, favorite player of many, including mm-hmm. yours and me yep. and many of my friends who uh, cheer on the Indians. Except my friend who somehow hates them. Well, there's always a, there's always one outlier. But, yeah, there's always <laughs> there's one, always one full one bad seed in every <laughs> apple, right? Just buy them a beer. Yeah. <laughs> all right, for Anthony. I'm Tim, and congratulations to Jim Tomey. Enjoy it on Sunday afternoon on Major League Baseball Network. Till then, have a great day, everyone. <laughs>